Truth Always Matters is brought to you by WeCare Ministries. Welcome to Truth Always Matters. This is our very first broadcast, and we're so glad that you could join us. I'm Ed Zendry, and your host is Georgie Zendry. It's good to be here today. It's our first program. My name is Georgie Zendry, and I want to tell you about how I came to know the Lord. First of all, truth always matters. In 1970, I just wanted to know God. I studied with the Jehovah Witnesses for five years, a little bit of Mormons, and then Seventh-day Adventist. After realizing it was their interpretation of the Bible that they were teaching me, their interpretation, I said, not God's interpretation. I decided to read the Bible on my, mo- my own. Soon I was in a good Christian church, happily gro- growing in the Lord. After coming to know the Lord Jesus, a cousin came to town, and I got deceived all over again, this time into a Christian charismatic cult called the Church of the Living Word. My time in the walk, what was the walk like? And its belief systems of restored apostles and prophets, us believing we were ushering in the kingdom of God. After leaving the walk, even though I had read the Bible through and through several times, I realized I had never studied sound Bible doctrines. I was an easy pickin' for the cults. For the next 30-plus years, I studied sound Bible doctrines, especially on who is Jesus Christ, the Trinity, salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, and his finished work on Calvary and on the second coming of Christ. In 1982, I attended a counter-cult conference and met Tony Cox, who was also a member of the same charismatic cult I was involved in. He asked me to help him on a film he was producing called Vainglory. I was later surprised to find out he had been married to Yoko Ono and the involvement with his history with John Lennon. After we concluded the film, we worked on a very lengthy research project on the history of the walk. Dr. Wright, who was was a professor with Denver Seminary, worked with us in piercing, uh, piecing together what he said could be one of the most important books in 70 years. In 1990, at the completion of an 850-page manuscript, I approached KKXX and told the general manager of my concerns of what was happening in the church and in society. Within a week, he had me live on the air addressing these concerns. Then a group of pastors who were deeply concerned with the direction of society and the church asked me to produce a TV program. We did. We produced seven programs, had no where to air them. There was no station that had the availability for to air these programs. And then Fox 30 came to town, and our first program was the church, Is the Church Relevant in Today's Society? We aired it October 10th, 1993. 19 years, we produced a weekly program addressing issues in the church and society. And here we are today. And I want to introduce to you my favorite human being, which is Ed Zendry, my husband. That's kind, Georgie. Thank you. <laughs> my testimony uh, goes back to uh, not really knowing at what, giving you a date in which I know that I became born again. Uh, I was raised as a small child in a little Baptist church, which I'm sure I got uh, uh, well indoctrinated into, into uh, uh being uh, being born again, uh, but then I uh, later went into a, a Methodist church that was uh, a little 
bit more liberal, I guess I would say. And uh, to them, um, the Bible could be written by anyone. Um, and those people that were, were born, said they were born again were some, uh, you know, some strange sect over somewhere. And, um, but I had a great heart for Christ uh, all during my life. And then uh, I went into law enforcement. And when I started seeing the depravity of what man could do to man, uh, I didn't find the church being relevant uh, uh, to me or to, to the situations that I was in and what I was living. And so for a while I drifted. But then uh, it came a desire uh, to, to get to really know God again, get back to it. I was missing it. And uh, I went to a little church. Um, and the amazing thing about it is, as the preacher preached, he preached from the Bible. And something about that uh, being uh, uh, the words of the Bible, the, uh, the, the, the spirit behind the words of the Bible, and so forth, started really affecting me. And that's what really drew me uh, to want to know more about it and, and seek God more. Uh, I went through some tough times. Uh, in life, and yet um, out of those tough times came the strong uh, times. Wondered why, God, how can you, how can you save me? And, uh, and interestingly, uh, saw a, a television program. Didn't watch Christian television, just happened to turn on the television. There was a man there saying, you need to know that uh, uh, you, Christ died for you. And that you were saved two thousand years ago when they, on from the cross, and uh, by believing in him, then my life changed and uh, miracles happened. Uh, I can recall times when the presence of God was so great, the love of God was something that was beyond uh, our own human comprehension, and uh, and it grew from there. But the importance uh, that I think we want to. Uh, emphasized particularly with this show is that we need to keep on growing we can't stay in our own little uh, uh, niches the uh, George's testimony is one of growth one of growing getting stronger uh, in the faith and where that came from that came from the learning the inerrancy of scripture it came from uh, learning sound doctrine and uh, and we need to continue to look at those things. And I think that that's largely what the, what the purpose of our, our show is, is to um, help, the, uh, help the body of Christ to, uh, to grow and to grow stronger in, uh, in the understanding of the importance of Scripture and good doctrine. So, Ed, you come from, your background is in law enforcement. And how important was truth how important is truth in law enforcement? You actually come from criminal defense or, or criminal prosecution, and now you are involved in criminal defense. So how important is truth in the judicial system? Well, the thing is, uh, coming from either side, either coming from prosecution or from the defense, the importance is truth. What is, what is the truth? Can we rely on, on what is actually fact? Um, and uh, we don't have to... Um, try to um, manipulate one way or another the, uh, 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 the viewpoint that we need to find. We don't need to get that person in prosecution. We don't need to uh, defend the person. doesn't need to be defended in ways that, uh, uh, that don't, aren't based on truth. And we can, be, uh, we can rely on that. And, and, 
and uh, hopefully we can see more of that uh, in our society uh, uh, as we we're going to be talking about the issues of of, uh, of the where our society is and where the church is, is within the society and these are all uh, all things that are uh, uh, that are truth uh, the, the pursuit of truth is always important and it always matters I have found working with you in uh, Zendri trial support because that's what you do in our other life is your uh, license uh, uh, independent investigator and we have every case that you have taken and we've taken many is we've had to really involve ourselves in what is truth here what is the real facts of this case? And so as we're looking at our topics, going to be the declining church and its impact on society. That's how we're going to be looking at this topic also. What is the truth here? Is it relevant for today? My first TV program was, is the church relevant today in society? And we have to look at that honestly, not just the way I feel or the way I think or my my preferences. I would really like to look at this as, as in the search of the truth, what's happening in society today, what's happening inside of the church, and how do we present that in a loving, kind, but yet truthful manner? We want you to understand that uh, this topic of, of, of looking at the decline of the, of the church is not an indictment against the church. Uh, it's just a reality check on the perilous times that we live in. The, uh, the Bible tells us that there's going to be, uh, the church is going to be facing particular problems in this, in this time. And um, uh, we want to focus on, on the impact that the declining church has had on society. Uh, it's not just, um, it not, we're not just talking about fewer people in the pews. We're talking about uh, what has happened in our society. Where are we going? And and what is the uh, the biblical basis uh, for understanding this? That uh, that we're told at, in this time there's going to be a falling away. In this time there's going to be uh, uh, issues that the that the uh, that the church faces. There's going to be issues that society uh, uh, changes in society that are that are uh, seen. And um, uh, I know everybody has their concerns out there for where we're going. You watch the news, you're frightened. I'm frightened when I see what's happening in Israel, in other countries, in our school, and our educational systems. I'm frightened when I'm seeing what's going on with our children that are just addicted to their telephones, addicted to social media. They're hard to talk to. I'm, we're just like deeply concerned about where it's going. And so, Ed, I am going to have you if you don't mind, discussed Western civilization and how it was formed by the church. Well, uh, at a, for centuries, the church was the greatest influence in, the, uh, in our society. Um, our calendar, our most significant celebrate, holidays, uh, all celebrate Christ. And uh, cities are named after biblical figures and saints of the church. Our legal system stems from the Ten Commandments and biblical principles. Our Declaration of Independence and U.S. Constitution are an expression of the Judeo-Christian values of the day. 
The Ten Commandments are still etched in the walls of the Supreme Court. Christianity was a moral fiber of society. The church established the moral absolutes. Colleges and universities were founded by Christians on biblical principles. The community centered around the local church or parish, and family was the center unit of society. It was so different in the first 200 years of our nation. There was no hatred towards Christianity, nor hatred towards the church. The church was what undergirded everything. It was, we depended upon the church to where we ate at, where we slept at mostly. And so when we look at today what's going on, the society is fragmented from the church. The church is isolated from society. And how we bring that back together is going to be some really deep topics with us. Prior to the 60s, though, this is going back in history some issues on marriage and child-rearing in America was addressed from a Judeo-Christian belief system. They did not have uh, the social fabric of actually communism or secular uh, liberalism. You do what you think or do what you feel. No, it was dictated by the Judeo-Christian foundation from Judaism and from Christianity, from the the Old Testament from the, the laws of, of God in the, the five first books of the Bible. The United States education system was originally founded on the Judeo-Christian foundation of morality, similar to the current Christian homeschool systems, which meant that the Bible, the Ten Commandments, Christianity was very much part of the education system. And I'm old enough to remember when I went to school, we said the Pledge of Allegiance, and then we prayed, and then we read the Ten Commandments. It was nothing like it is today where God is void inside of the school system. God was part of the school system. It was just by reading the Bible was a natural part of the educational system before 1960. After the American Revolution and Noah Webster, he introduced the Blue Book Speller using Bible verses to teach writing, reading, and spelling. That's amazing that the Bible was used to teach our children how to read and write and how to spell. In 1836, the McGuffey Reader featured Bible verses in the school system. By the 1900s, many other textbooks quoted Bible verses throughout their teachings. The 20th century classroom started each day, like I said before, with the Pledge of Allegiance, prayer, and a simple Bible lesson. So do you remember that too, Ed? Of It's time for a break. Yeah. This program is brought to you by We Care Ministries. If you'd like to support this broadcast or become a sponsor, contact us by writing to We Care Ministries at 3208 Highway 32, Chico, California, 
888-985-9793 or contact KKXX Radio. Thank you. So when we were going towards a break, I was asking Ed a question about what was it like for him to be in school in the 60s, the 50s and the 60s, because it is so different today. Thanks for dating me, Georgie, um, uh, putting me into schools in the, in the 50s and 60s. But uh, yes, no, it was. It was, um, uh, like Georgie said, we had a, uh, we, we had a Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, there was a prayer uh, every time, even the principal, at, whenever we had an assembly, would, uh, would open with prayer. And there was no question about uh, um, uh, the uh, the faith being part of uh, of school. I can remember um, uh, in I think it was in fourth grade. I had a uh, a friend who was was Jewish, and his uh, it must have been the fifth or sixth grade. But anyway, he had his uh, bar mitzvah, and we all got excited about it. We wanted to hear about that. We wanted to we, we, we talked about uh, if people shared their religious faith, and it wasn't something that was, uh, um, that, uh, uh, was kept from us. And uh, it was, uh, uh, it was a, a time, I think uh, Georgie alluded to, I remember um, same period of time, Sundays. Uh, uh, maybe hard to understand now, but Sundays, the town was shut down, and I lived in Los Angeles. And the time was, uh, uh, the, on Sundays, the stores were shut down, the... Uh, uh, you, everything you needed to, to get for Sunday, you had to buy on Saturday, and the, the streets were quiet, and people went to church. And it was also a time of, of good family, and and, uh, and uh, Sundays were centered around family. So uh, things have changed, and I think that's what we're trying to address with this program. Well, this all did change in 1925. That was when the newly formed American Civil Liberty Union, you might know it more like ACLU, paid a teacher in Tennessee to teach evolution. He didn't win that fight, though. But the U.S. education system had been built upon creation from the book of Genesis, teaching evolution against the Tennessee state law. Within four decades, 40 years, the laws were reversed. Teaching creation became outlawed. And teaching evolution was mandatory from there on out. So our children from that moment were begin to, the, the Bible was ousted from school, and the theories, because it's not a scientific fact on evolution, was taught as scientific fact. And the book of Genesis then, what they were says was just myths. Prayer, the Ten Commandments, and God were literally kicked out of the educational system within 40 years. In 1962, the Supreme Court declared prayer in school was unconstitutional. In 1963, the Warren Court stopped schools from allowing Bible reading in classes. In 1980, the Supreme Court declared posting the Ten Commandments violated the Constitution of the United States. Now the movement continues to remove under God from the Pledge of Alliance and any mention of God in education and the public sector is forbidden. To be noted, violence. So we've watched violence in the classroom just erupt all over the country. And the classroom was virtually non-existent prior to 1960. Today, violence is a common occurrence in every school throughout the nation. The prison system, just, 
just documenting the prison system alone. The prison system in 1960 stood at 253,000 nationwide. Today, it is well over 1 million people incarcerated in prisons throughout the United States. Even though California right now is trying to empty our prison system, it still stands well, and the, well over a million people, and they're violent criminals. We're not talking about just uh, your shoplifters or your people out there taking a little bit of drugs. No, these are violent, violent crimes that they're doing. And the violence in uh, criminal activity, especially even with women committing violent crimes, and the statistics on women being in prison is higher than it's ever been before. I'm going to let Ed talk just for a minute on that issue, on the criminal justice system. Well, I, what I'd like to point out, George, is when you saw this, this turn that started in the, in the 1960s and so forth, um, we went from a nation under God, and our founders had uh, created this uh, great documents of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence that... Um, uh, based on this principle that uh, this is a nation that, uh, that is under God. But and then those principles of fairness and so forth uh, allowed uh, uh, individuals uh, to, who may have an issue with God at the, at the time uh, or have their own uh, philosophical or, or religious beliefs, uh, could, an individual could challenge that, could challenge the whole nation. And these, these changes came out of individual, individual challenges uh, to, uh, uh, to the whole uh, mores of the, uh, of the society. And uh, somehow then our, our laws were turned against us uh, in terms of uh, uh, these, maintaining these moral values that, uh, that we had held. So prior to the 1960s, what consisted of a, a successful, happy home? It was consisted in the husband, a biologically born man, and his wife, biologically born woman. The man had a decent job. He was the breadwinner of the family, a well-maintained, nourished home. The mother devoted to her children. I know it's hard to imagine today, but a, a woman likes being the mother of her children. She liked and loves her children, wants to mother them. And the family shared a common religious faith. Life was simple. It was safer. We could go out in the afternoon and play until dark and till the lights came on at nighttime, and then we had to go home. And when we were in trouble, and I did get my fair share of spankings, we had to go out and pick our own switch, and yet switched a few times. We none ended up in prison, though. We none ended up in drug abuse. Moms used a wooden spoon, or they sent you out to get a switch. My poor mom, when I went out and got the switch one time, or my sister Kathy did, got a poison oak switch, and my mom had a terrible case of poison oak from it. But life was really simpler. We didn't, there was no fighting, um, virtually no lying, no stealing, or talking back. That just wasn't part. We learned to call people Mr. and Mrs., Sir aunt and uncle, but we didn't treat people with a, a, a commonality about them. We gave them a decency and respect. Our biggest crime was stealing a cigarette or a little alcohol and then becoming ill from the smoking. Life was simple. 
If we disobeyed, we felt our mom's stern hand on our bottom. Girls did not get pregnant outside of being married. And it certainly was not a badge of honor to go to prison or belong to a gang or be drugged out of your mind with some type of hallucinate. Mass shoot, school shootings started in 1992. I don't know if anybody, Ed, remembers it, the 1992 uh, Lynnhurst High School shooting. That it was, was here locally. It was here locally, right. Since the first mass school shooting, there have been 350 school shooting incidents across the United States up until uh, 2023. Suicide is the second leading cause of death for children, adolescents, and young adults ages 15 to 24 years old. Teenage drug abuse. 61% went up among 8th graders between 2016 and 2020. 62% in 12th grades have abused alcohol. It's amazing. 50% have misused as a drug at least once. When I was a teenager... You didn't, marijuana was not an issue. Drinking wasn't an issue. Taking drugs or methamphetamine or any other type of drug, it just never, ever was never an issue. And I'm sure with Ed that he too, when he was a teenager, that was not issues down in Los Angeles. No. Uh, our society has, has had very big changes. And having the uh, uh, having lived over half a, a decade or half a century the um, we've been able to see uh, these changes and uh, oftentimes uh, when you hear the old folks talk about uh, oh we wish we'd go back to the old days and and then realize that people even uh, uh, being born in the in the 60s and 70s and stuff grew up with a whole different uh, whole different mindset and uh, these things affected not only uh, were affected on society, society now was, uh, uh, was really affecting the church itself. And um, the, we, were, we were going away from this idea that the, at the, uh, that the mores and the uh, values of, of uh, uh, in absolute uh, moral standards uh, uh, were kind of drifted from the Judeo-Christian uh, uh, biblical standards to now uh, more of this uh, secular uh, society. And now uh, the influence is now uh, not so much the, uh, what we experienced in, in our young time, but we, we are now, uh, it is, in, it is uh, society which is, uh, is establishing the, the moral standards quote, moral standards of, uh, of our time. So if, if we looked at one other issue, the millions of onboarded children, not only is the effect on the aborted child that it's, it's, life is not here, we do not have that precious life which could contribute to our society, but in addition to that, the cause to the woman is, is horrific. And the media doesn't talk about it, how... Women suffer post-abortion syndrome. They, many times they become alcoholics. Many times they become suicidal. And, and they then lose a touch with their own children, their own life. 
and their husbands. Lots of divorces have happened and breakups because of the abortion issue. We've had a rise in that to where it's millions and millions of babies have been aborted. That's another thing that came about from after the 1960s that was demanded that the women have their rights over their reproductive systems. And as a woman and as a child, I know what is inside of me is a baby. I know that. A man might, might not know it because he's, he can't get pregnant, but a woman knows this. What's inside of her is an unborn child. And if that unborn child is given a right, it will, it will be born and be a productive human being. Men, not only does the abortion issue hurt a woman, it also hurts a man also. So I'm going to, uh, what does the Bible forecast, Ed, for society, for this day and age? Well, the, uh, first of all, I want to uh, talk about what, um, what Paul uh, wrote to Timothy. And he wrote to Timothy that there be uh, things like uh, uh, brother against brother, uh, uh, anger growing, uh, the... Uh, a falling away from uh, from values, a, uh, uh, and uh, and the absolutes that that we had, and so I invite you to to spend some time looking through Paul's uh, letters to Timothy because they they really focus and give us an idea of what's uh, uh, what we are facing today, and uh, uh, it has been forecast. Uh, again, uh, what we're doing here is not a a condemnation of the church it's a it's a reality what what has affected the church what has uh, what are the things in society that are that are competing uh, uh, with the church and its values the uh, 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 and so today um, the church has lost much of its influence and much of the church is influenced by society itself uh, there are changes within the church the society but uh, today's society lacks absolutes we don't have the absolutes that are uh, that are absolute values that are espoused in the Bible and now we're going to take a another break and um, we will be right back thank you Welcome back to Truth Always Matters. We were talking about the influence of the of the society on the church today, and what what are the things that are going on in society that are counter to the uh, the experiences we've had um, in the past with the influence of the church over society, and now society uh, having the influence over the church. But in today's society, as as Paul had talked to Timothy about, uh, again. Uh, Today's society lacks absolutes. Uh, the things are relevant. Uh, what uh, 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 what matters is what you think. Uh, uh, I can change my identity. I'm I'm this. I'm that. And yet, uh, which is a sad thing. I won't touch on the identity issue. God created us so uniquely that each of us has a uh, a DNA that is different than everybody else's. And yeah, I think I learned that when um, 
uh, when I after I came to the Lord, how much of an individual I was. I was like like others, you know. It's like, uh, oh, I can because I'm old enough, I can go back to the uh, uh, the hippie uh, times where. Uh, to be different, everybody dressed alike, talked alike, acted alike, uh, did the same things, and so forth. And uh, uh, trying to prove that they're an individual, yet they were copycats of of each other. And uh, but I think that we need to. Uh, what I learned was that uh, uh, I'm unique. You're unique. There's no other person on the planet like you. And you. Uh, uh, God knew you before you were you were born, and He identified you. He identified you with this with this DNA mark, and that uh, uh, you can be confident that you are uh, you're not just a cog somewhere in God's world. You're a, a unique individual, and uh, and I think that's really uh, really an important thing because in our society today we're we're losing that individuality. Uh, When we talk about morality, um, uh, they talk also about on, on the issue. Georgie's talking to me about um, uh, the uh, in the in the legal system. We have laws, okay, and uh, but people say will say you cannot legislate morality. Well, uh, uh, laws are an expression of the moral standards of society. So when we see changes in law, they uh, they reflect oftentimes uh, uh, societal, and that's why you need to have absolutes. That's why we have a, a supreme court, okay, to oversee our laws, to see that that those uh, that those laws uh, fit the absolute of the uh, Declaration of Independence of the uh, Constitution, and uh, uh, because uh, these laws now. Many laws now are, are relevant. What, what is what is society? They want laws to change with society. They want God to change with society. And no, God is absolute, and our laws should be absolute. Some of the issues that society, not just society, but the church is really faced with, it's like a minefield that the church is having to wade through. The Bible declares that we are born male and female. Biologically, we are a female or we're a male at birth. There's no changing that. We're born with a set of chromosomes that determine who we are and what we are. We have chromosomes that determine we are a female or we're chromosomes that de determine that we are a male. We're living in a society right now and the church is living in this too, trying to navigate its way through this. And we're having a hard time doing that because there's a minefield. We could have our tax exemptions removed. We can be persecuted. We can be put down. We can be judged. But this chromosome problem that, they, that the society deals with is saying that men can have babies or women are men. And the confusion on this generation's life is extraordinary. It's like a child is growing up not understanding what they are or who they are. A lot of this leads back to the 1960s again with the, the feminist movement that were trying to break the chains of having a male dominance over their life and break out of the, the home and not have children. 
or maybe have a child but not wanting to be a mom. And the man then was literally forced out of the home. He was emasculated. And men today have a great confusion about just their own gender and who they are. And the media plays such a dominant role in stereotyping a man as needs to touch into his feminist side, become a feminine instead. And so our children are raised with this. There's so much studying on this, so much research. And our young boys are, are looked at like little girls a lot of times. They are, they're, their masculinity is attacked. And so we have this great confusion going on here and how a, a boy is looking at himself like a girl. Even the putting in condoms are not condoms, excuse me, that's for the boys, but like uh, for feminine uh, uh, tampons and stuff being into a, a man's bathroom. A man can never have a period. He could try being a man or girl. He can try uh, saying I'm a girl. He can try doing the hormones and everything else that goes to be with a woman. But he could never, ever have a reproductive system that a woman has. He could never bear a child as a woman could never ever uh, become a man fully in the sense of being a man where she could father a child. And yet we're living in this system right now, the society that is saying that we can be what we feel. We can be what we think. We can be what somebody else tells us to be. And so we're, we're having a generation right now around us that is really confused. We're confused. We're confused on who we are. And that is played out in every way in society. And right now in society, they're trying to legislate it that if you call somebody a he that doesn't want to be called a he or you call somebody a she, you can be prosecuted for it, prosecuted. And yet in reality, in truth, they cannot be that because their chromosomes when they were born is either going to be feminine or it's going to be male. They cannot ever, ever change their chromosomes. They And they... Uh, Man cannot biologically have a child. It's just biologically impossible. These are issues that are just not even talked about in the church because we are so threatened by the new erected laws that we, we are intimidated by that. And so we backed up from society. Like Ed said, many of today's laws are in direct conflict, direct conflict with the moral standards of the church. And we haven't even discussed the colleges and the universities who once were built by Christians. They were bearers of truth. They taught our children truth. We weren't afraid to send our child to a college thinking that somehow they're going to be indoctrinated. And how many of us have sent our children to a college and our children come out as communists? They come out as liberals. They'll do higher education, and they come out, we don't know who they are. They weren't raised like that. Now these colleges espouse anti-religious values. They are directly in conflict with your teachings and how you brought them up. We see the continuing breakdown of the family. Uh, and... Uh, we have, there's years ago, uh, Georgie and I were uh, working with the, uh, uh, in 
the uh, street gang uh, with law enforcement and the street gang, we had a conference um, in Los Angeles, and uh, people who were working with street gangs uh, from all over the country where there were speakers, and Georgie was doing the interviews of, of these different speakers. And uh, so she asked the question at one point, um, what do you think is the greatest threat uh, to America? And the, and the first man said, the breakdown of the family, the, the lack of a male role model in a boy's life. And uh, at first we took that kind of, uh, 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 took it seriously. And so the next one she interviews, she asks the same question. What do you think is the greatest threat to America? And this speaker says, the lack of a male role model, lack of a father in the home of these boys. And so by then, by the time we got to the third uh, uh, speaker that we interviewed, uh, and she asked that question, the answer again was the lack of fathers in the home. And um, uh, it wasn't humorous. It was kind of humorous in the way of, wow, this is, this is something that was eye-opening to us. And, and Georgia had, uh, uh, had uh, interviewed uh, lifers at... Uh, in prison, uh, and uh, let her talk more about it. But uh, uh, let Georgie, you describe your uh, the time you had in you know, with the prisoners. So I spent a, a full day uh, in like a big conference room. I had a hundred lifers that were there. They had committed various crimes of sexual rape, murder, homicides. They were lifers. They, there was no way for them to parole out. So I spent this day, there was a hundred of them, and they told me their stories that of their why they did their crimes, what was happening in their lives that did their crimes. It was like a devastating day for me, honestly. But one of the questions I asked him, what was your relationship like with your father? Every single one of them had a problem with their father. Their father was abusive, their father was a drunk. Their father was into drugs. Their father was emotionally not there for them. He was a workaholic. But every single one of them, 100 men, said of their relationship with their father was none, was none, or an abusive father, a father that beat them, a father that hurt them. And we realized, Ed and I both did, as we did these series on the gangs and then on the prison, that what has happened is when the husband's were forced to be, stop being fathers and stop being husbands, it had a direct effect on society and on their own children. And their own children then suffered the consequences of the actions of the father being pushed out of the home and the father being taken out of the authority as being a parent. I wish I could say that was that was it. That you know, those were all the problems. But now we have the breakdown of the individual. Well, let me get back to the issue on on, on fathers. What our society has has done. Our society has told us that fathers aren't important. Um, our uh, welfare system makes fathers un, uh, it's unimportant by uh, making it profitable to have the father out of the home. Um, we have uh, just in many ways in society have have. Uh, Diminish the uh, the role of uh, of the male in society. There's we'll probably get into some discussions on uh, at several levels of where that uh, uh, 
Uh, where that occurs in, in uh, you might see it in, in advertising, you see it in uh, uh, just in, in society as a whole. And uh, we need to get back to that. Fathers are important. God created families the way he did. He created men the way he created them. He created women the way he created them. All of that is important. And, uh, uh, but one of the things that's really happened to us is lack of, of fathers in the home. And then, like Georgie mentioned, the breakdown of the individual. Um, uh, right now, uh, in our society, we have uh, uh, the individual is not very important. But we're, we're going to go to another break here. And uh, uh, as we do so, I just uh, 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 thank you for, for being with us on our, on our maiden voyage here on, on this show. Thank you. Welcome back to Truth Always Matters. Uh, before we, we continue, I want to um, make our uh, listeners av- uh, aware that Georgie's book, The Emerging One World Church, Tossed by the Waves, is available on Amazon. So if you, uh, you want to hear more about uh, uh, Georgie's great studies on, on the cults, on, on the, the inerrancy of the Bible, and her own testimony in great depth, uh, I just urge you to, to go to Amazon. It's called the uh, Emerging One World Church, uh, Tossed by the Waves. And uh, uh, you'll find it, uh, uh, you'll find it an incredible book. And I, of course, I'm, I am a little prejudiced. But, but I, but uh, at any rate, we're talking about the breakdown of the individual. Uh, look at it. Uh, uh, our society makes, it seems to be, tending towards this idea that the individual isn't important. And earlier I talked about how in, the individual is so important to God. And, uh, and yet now we, we break down, we're, we're just a cog. Uh, uh, we are, uh, uh, we, during the time of the COVID, we wore masks and, and there was no individuality. And, and uh, we now are, uh, uh, are we, have divorced ourselves from uh, from much of society. We 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 hide in our phones. We hide in our things. We uh, uh, but uh, at the same time, uh, well, the Bible tells us that we'll become lovers of ourselves. And uh, and look at the and use the example of selfies uh, right now. Uh, there's 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 a conflict. We're we're becoming less of an individual. Yet we're trying to gain some individuality um, and uh, trying to have identity and we're trying to uh, we're trying to mold ourselves into this uh, this definition of what we should be in society and yet uh, we need to have the definition of what God called us to be uh, which is one of as his um, his greatest creation is in your precious child so the breakdown of the individual is 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 uh, been a real key factor and in, in, in something that has uh, pulled us away from the community of, of church. I asked my granddaughter many years ago, if I said the word God, what would you think and what would you say? 
and she had a confused look come over her face and her eyes kind of glazed over and she said, I don't know. I really don't know about God. And we have a generation right now that has come up, the Generation Z and the millennials, they really don't know when we say the word God, what that means to them, what that means in reality. And how do we, how do we touch that with our children? How do we bring them back to the, being the individual person that God has created them to be? He's created as a special people, and they don't feel that way. They're buried in their telephones. They're buried into the Internet or Instagram or TikTok or, or any one of the other media platforms. That's where they get not just their entertainment. That's who they're validated by. How do we change that with them? How do we get them back to a, a good discussion on the truth of reality? God created the earth. God created man. God created us. And they don't understand that because their eyes are embedded in, in a new God, which is the, the Internet. And then we, we have the topic of secular humanism. It's, all, it's an entire program all in itself, so we're not going to even touch it today. The breakdown of societal traditions, Christmas. Christmas, Thanksgiving, uh, Easter, all of these important things are just attacked by the liberalism, the secular liberalism, trying to turn them into something they're not. And we have lost the value, the value of each one of these great traditions like Christmas and Easter and Thanksgiving. And, 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 and it's not important anymore to society. Of just sitting back and, and talking and visiting and having fellowship and families, way, way too many families are splintered. Way too many families don't speak to each other. Or if they do come together, instead of lay, laying their differences aside, their political differences aside, or their differences on the gay issue or the transgender issue, they, they don't fellowship, they don't eat together, they don't talk together, and that's lost today. How do we get that back? How do we become family again, even though we don't agree with each other? History is being revised and despised. It's like, I don't buy a history book unless it's well before 1950. Otherwise, all of my history books are 1800s, 1700s. It's like my 1679 Bible that the Lord gifted me with uh, last year. I don't, I don't read anything before, after that age of 1960 because our history has been so revised by secular humanism. And then you have the liberal media. That's a show all in itself, the liberal media. Because most people don't know that it's five corporations that own almost every single media outlet in the United States and in the world. And these five corporations dictate what you see and what you hear. So everything that we think we're hearing is not absolute truth on the media. They, they shelter you from what is truth. And it's really important for our listeners to dig in, find out what's truth and what's not truth. Go to other sources and listen to your media because they're not telling you the truth on a lot of different things. And now we have a lot of anti-Semitism coming up on, the, on Israel. 
you, we need to find out what's truth and what's not truth there. And we need to really pray for Israel. And I'm going to turn this back over to Ed for a minute. We want to thank you for joining with us on our this our, our first uh, broadcast of, of Truth Always Matters. The, uh, uh, in the future, we're going to be having you open up so you can join us with your own uh, thoughts and comments and questions. And uh, so we, we ask that you just join us again on Fridays at, uh, at noon to, to 1 o'clock here on KKXX. Um, the, uh, our, our goal is that the, our, our, the foundation of this show is truth is found in the inerrancy of the Bible and sound biblical doctrine. And that's what our goal is, is to uh, bring forth uh, the importance of these issues and the, uh, 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 and the absolute need and importance uh, of, uh, of a good foundation in, in our faith. And so we hope to equip uh, 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 the saints in this. So, uh, but this program is brought to you by We Care Ministries. If you would like to support this broadcast or become a sponsor Contact us by writing to We Care Ministries at 3208 Highway 32, Chico, California, 95973, or contact KKXX Radio. I'd so, also like to remind you that Georgie's book, The Emerging One World Church, Tossed by the Waves, is available on Amazon. So, in closing, you are the salt of the earth. Jesus said this in Matthew 5.13, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. He also said, let your light so shine before men that you may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. It's so important. When Jesus gave the analogy of salt, what does that mean? Salt is a preservative, a purifying agent. Salt flavors our food and is used as a binder and stabilizer. It's also a food preservative as bacteria can't thrive in the presence of a high amount of salt. The Lord uses salt, showing it is the church's responsibility, yours and mine, if you're part of the church, you are the salt of the earth. We are the seasoning and preservation preservative of society and culture. The Lord gives a dire warning. If we lose our flavor, he says we are, we, we are trampled underfoot. Thank you for listening to us today. God bless you and keep you in his wonderful hands. <laughs>